Hi. You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage and welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. I'm Cool Daddy Jack, Dan Hansis, here with my bosom buddy, Bob Castro. What's up, Bob? I am so into you right now. That was great. You had told me off mic that maybe to try to mix up the intro and incorporate something a little in the tone of, what was it? American Graffiti. Yeah. So is that maybe that's the new version of this podcast now? I like it. If you were that all the time, number one, you'd be way more successful. You wouldn't be renting this garage. You would own it. <laughs> and just, I mean, you're a married man, but ladies would be throwing themselves at you left and right. We got a lot of great tunes we're going to listen to, so sit back and enjoy the ride. It's wonderful. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. It's not too late. You know there are people in show business, the business of show. Mm-hmm that basically throw their voice for an entire career. You can straight up Larry the Cable Guy this and just go from being like an intelligent guy to just having a big all accent and being a character of something. You could do that. I feel like we're onto something here. Can you do that with sports? Can you do that with the NFL? Is there a place for that? Tom Brady keeps on working out during the coronavirus. Yes, there is. He thinks he's invincible. There is, yes. I'll tell you what, Jack. The Lord comes for everybody one day, and Tom Brady, even at 43 years old, he ain't invincible. Back to you, Jim. I would I would start listening to your podcast again <laughs> if you did that. All right. Well, noted. Noted. <laughs> uh, let's, let's dispense, though, Bob, with the 800-pound grill in the room. Where the fuck is your mustache? <sighs> what did you do? What did you do? Karen, what did you do? Mistakes were made. This was... Very clearly. Yeah. Look, when you grow a mustache, it doesn't come with a a guide on how to maintain a mustache. And, you know, it's not not like a one-size-fits-all thing. It grows. You got to cut it. You got to shave it at times. Like, you got to make sure it looks good. If it's covering your lips and it starts, like, getting in your... Getting, like, on your food as you're biting things, you got to trim. So it takes some work. And uh, I fucked up. I started, uh, started trimming it. Got a little too small on one side, had to make it a little smaller on the other side. Before you know it, I had like a little like John Waters mustache and it was a, it was disgusting. So I had no like choice. Cry, cry baby arrow with Ricky Lake. Yep. And I had no choice but to just uh, shave the whole thing off and start over. So I like to, I think of it kind of like the Wright brothers uh, inventing the airplane. They didn't get in the air the first time. It took some work. Mm. I think I'm going to be a mustache guy. Just the first one. It didn't take, but the next one will. Here's why this is, as much as you're trying to rationalize it, this is why this is a devastating setback for you, personally. All right. What you are attempting to pull off is very difficult, which is to grow in a dad mustache that is not ironic. Mm-hmm. No, no irony at all. But also, at the same time, you have an awareness of what the mustache signifies from a cultural sense for the you know for people uh our age in the last twenty years where it kind of it's walking this tightrope it's been a lot of things it it it's represented uncles and dads and perverts, but also some like cool guys too Don Mattingly. 
Of course. Donnie Baseball. Of course, our hero. And what you would, uh, and now you're going to, I don't want to make you feel bad, Bob, because this is an excess night on the throwback pod and we're excited about it. You had threaded the needle, Bob. Mm-hmm. And you had grown in the mustache and you had achieved the hardest thing, which is acceptance. It got to the point where when I saw you, it wasn't, look at Bob trying too hard with the mustache. It's, oh, yeah, that's Bob. He's a mustache guy now. When you grow in the new one, there's no guarantee, Bob, that you're going to get that same reaction from me, from me and other people. You might not ever get it again. So I just hope you didn't uh, cook the golden goose. Okay. No, that's fair. It is fair. Um, I hope that the next mustache that comes in is even more glorious than the first. Could. That, that absolutely could happen, too. And then when you see me, it's like, oh, there's... There's the Bob I know now because I've seen him with a mustache before. I accepted it the first time. And this is a Bob that I no longer have to get over that first hump. He's a mustache guy. But what if, and again, devil's advocate here. Devil inside. Yo, topical. What if it comes in as like a 1987 Dodge van mustache? What if it's a Mm. creepy mustache? What are you going to do? You know what? I guess I'll... You've angered the mustache gods, my friend. I think you're right. Um, I'll cross that mustache bridge when I come to it. I'm hoping for the best. Uh, (laughs) The police will be waiting at the end of the bridge to take you into custody. It is, yeah. I mean... We've solved every case of child abuse in the last three centuries. It's mostly just looking for guys with mustaches. So I guess we'll see where it lands. But right now, it's I'm back to being mustache-free. My face feels a little naked. But uh, I'm just gonna get through it. I say you are wrestling with it. I could hear, I could feel it's it. It's not great. Yeah, you are upset. No, I, I really, I was in it for the long haul, and then it kind of broke my heart. And I think you were getting some good buzz on the net with it and everything. Yeah. No, you. you Although no, well, away. there was one picture when um, my son talked me into. I had kind of like a beard coming in. And he talked me into shaving it like a Civil War mustache. Oh, I saw that. So then um, Eric over on our Instagram at ThrowbackPod posted it. And I got a lot of comparisons to uh, Lemmy Kilmeister from uh, Motorhead. He's like the ugliest guy that's ever lived. Well known as like the ugliest guy in the history of rock music. (laughs) So people are like Lemmy. And then a few people are like Jim Croce, who's also very ugly. So there were a lot of. So that shook your confidence. There were a lot of. So maybe this wasn't all about the John Waters thing. Maybe that's why I was trimming it in the first place, and then things just kind of got out of hand. I don't know, but uh, this is where we're at now. All right. Well, let's try to move past it uh, because, like I said, this is the NXS podcast, and we're very excited to talk about the pride of Australia. In fact, Bob, do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about um, how? in excess came to be the choice for this episode and why we're uniquely prepared in a way we've never been prepared before. I will. So of course on patreon.com slash throwback pod, the site that keeps this podcast alive. uh, Thank you to everybody who's on there kicking in to keep these two buffoons in a garage to talk. Kick. kick. You see what I did there to talk about in excess and other bands. Um, You guys are the best. We did a Patreon poll where we threw it out to everybody on Patreon. What should we cover? And we got a lot of suggestions. We narrowed it down to the top five. And it was between NXS Kick, Bright Eyes, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, Fiona Apple, When the Pawn, 
Rancids and Alcum the Wolves and Kings of Leon only by the night. And mm. In Excess came out on top. Was it close? It was very close. They narrowly beat out the Kings of Leon. Oh, really? I would so, like to do that album. Me too. But you know what? This is a great victory for Australia. Huge. And of course, especially. I mean, after what happened to uh, Steve Irwin and everything, like Australia kind of needed. Yeah. Australia's had a good. Something. With the exception of that. Margot Robbie was a big win for Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beautiful Golden Coast. Right. Is that what they call it? I don't know. Yeah. All that's been great. But what you really needed was something to lift the spirits of the entire continent. And, and that's what winning a poll on the throwback podcast does. No, it's really, it's really built them up a lot in the eyes of the world, too. Like, we're kind of finally taking Australia seriously as a superpower now. So that's a good thing. It's time. It's been overdue. Nobody was happier than our top-tier sponsors, Kleine and his buddy, Mansi, And they put together something unheard of in the history of the Throwback Podcast. They put together a 26-page dossier <laughs> to help us with this episode. They were so excited that Kick One that they sat down and literally wrote a 26-page paper it's so important to help us it's so important to them that we do not come at this particular episode with the lack of preparation and general give a shit uh that peppers all of our work on this podcast typically <laughs> uh and i have to be honest with you there's a little bit of uh pressure now built in oh absolutely i mean i've i was really excited when this won the poll because i love this album i really like in excess i thought it would be a really fun episode to do but now, just knowing that like all of Australia is listening and that we're... Every single one. Every single person in Australia will listen to this episode. And we have a 26-page dossier to ensure that we don't fuck it up. A lot of I pressure. I should check this out, actually. I should click into this now. It's, we, time, it's time to check out the dossier. We did say the ultimate act of throwback podcastness <laughs> would be not reading the dossier at all <laughs> as the ultimate go fuck yourself to all of Australia. But yes, no, I have scanned. I'm happy I've to say it. like I've read it. Dan has looked at it. I've scanned it. Dan scanned it. My wife read it. We were all, she's ready. a big Hutchins fan. Well, well, what does that mean? Well, she wants to have sex with Michael Hutchins. He's dead still. So, I mean, spoiler alert for people that don't know, <laughs> but he's dead. We're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. Did you happen to, um, Actually, I do know this because your wife, your wife, she texted uh, me and uh, you and said she was crying watching the Hutchins documentary on Amazon, Mystify. Mystify, yeah. So outside of a 26-page dossier, Dan and I both watched Mystify. How about that? Kind of on our own because it's a fascinating story. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that a lot as we listen to Kick. All right. Before we get into Kick, the album that truly broke in excess uh, in America and across the world, let's dig into what was going on in the world uh, in 1987 when Kick was released to the masses. When in 1987 was it, Bob? Well, and here's a fantastic thing, Dan. I don't have to do any research. It's in the dossier. Can I just say, I love these guys, but can we... In the future, if you're going to have a dossier with a table of contents, can we hyperlink the page numbers? 
Whoa. So I don't have to Whoa, what look a... at the table of contents and then scroll down, down, down. And to, I mean, I don't have that type of time. What a little bitch. <laughs> what a little bitch. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. The album came out on October 12th, 1987, Dan. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. We were young boys, Bob. Seven-year-old boys. And what was going on in October of 1987? Well, according to the dossier, The Princess Bride was released in October 1987. Great movie. Great movie from the great screenwriter awesome William movie. Goldman. Um, Billy Crystal's in it too, right? That Yeah. I'm not on board with anything Crystal related. Oh, stop it. If you take Crystal out of it, well. He's great in it. He is, he is not great in anything. Stop it. Anything. Can there's, we calm down with the Billy Crystal I stuff? I would think there's there are very outside of Bono, there's nothing that we disagree on more than your your hatred to Billy Crystal. I mean, what does what is Billy Crystal really offering to us? And don't even get me started when he shows up at Yankee Stadium in a full uniform. That's what bothers you. The guy thinks because he's a Yankee fan and because he's a celebrity, that entitles him to have some piece of the franchise's history, and that's just not how it works, Billy Crystal. That's what bothers you. He's a great guy, great great comedic talent. I wish him all the best. Jack Palance upstaged him in both City Slickers Oh, stop films. it. Both. Stop. Oh, I could do push-ups. Fuck you, Jack Palance. Both. Fuck <laughs> you, old man. He's dead. <laughs> yep. Yes, he is, Dan. A lot of N- dead guy talk tonight. <laughs> there will be. Uh, what else happened in October 1987? It was the first national coming out day. Okay, that's good. Progress. Um, Slow and steady. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to lie. These guys kind of dropped the ball when it comes to Did relevant they? things. Uh, Carlton defeated Hawthorne in the Australian Rules VFL Grand Final at the Melbourne. Let's not get round. too Australian here. I, we can't get too Australian. Yeah, I mean, come on now. Yeah. But the number one song in America, Dan, this country, right here. These colors don't run. These colors don't run. Was this masterpiece by David Coverdale? <laughs> what a name. <laughs> I like when you watch this video. It's like he's 47 in the video, <laughs> but he has the hair yeah. of a 27-year-old man, and yep. he's prancing around with t- Tony Katane, but he's 47 years old. Oh, yeah. Probably like a young grandfather. Nice little build here. I always oh, great build. great build. This is a great song for people with no real identities or um, actual social skills to kind of make their own as like, I'm an 80s nostalgia guy. Right. I was thinking uh, specifically karaoke. And Yeah. Like the guy that comes chooses out in this song. There's right. not really a lot. Like, I get it. You know every Top Gun quote? And right. this is your karaoke not song? Not a lot of layers to you, dude. Fucking piece of shit. We really buried that basic piece of shit. I fucking hate that guy. Uh, I, but I also kind of love that guy. That guy's a fun guy to get drunk with. 
Yeah, he is. Yeah. Just don't expect to have a deep conversation. No, no, because he'll just like throw out some quote from like the Breakfast Club, and you're like, enough. Enough. Let's calm down with that. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What's better? All right. <laughs> um, what other kind of funny or interesting note that I always, every once in a while, this song will be on the radio, and it'll be like, wait a second, why does this sound different? Well, that's because this song was origi- originally released in 1982. And it sounds like this. Ah. And it was on their album in 1982. Again, David Coverdell, probably 70 years old at the time of the 1987 release. It goes off kind of unnoticed in 82. They they decide in 87, let's take another crack at this song. This song's kind of badass. They put they put together a remix, and that one goes to number one. Amazing. So. Um, fun fact: My friend's dad, who is a cantor at a synagogue out here, and what's a cantor, Dan? A cantor that is a um, you pour wine out of it. Not my friend. Wait, my friend's dad is a thing you pour wine out of. That doesn't even come He's close. An inanimate object. Come close to Very making strange. sense. I don't know what a cantor is, and like it doesn't make me a bad guy. I just wasn't <laughs> raised in that culture or faith. What is a cantor? Uh, don't care. I know you don't. Well, no, now, do now that makes you a bad guy. Yeah, now so I want now to you just crossed over. I got to clean it up here. What is a canter, Bob? Teach me. It's time for me to sit back and listen. A canter in a synagogue, Dan, it's kind of like the rabbi's sidekick who's like the big, like brings the pizzazz and sings. There's a lot of the singing in there. Why can't the rabbi do that? Rabbi is there to do the prayers and everything. Cantor's there to just add some flavor. Okay. So you need a Robin to your Batman. Yeah. On your chopa. Okay. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, so my friend's dad is a cantor at like one of the big uh, synagogues out here in L.A. Produced the song. <laughs> he is a producer on this. He was David Coverdale's vocal coach. And he was known as like the rock and roll rabbi. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Can we get him on the show? We might be able to. Is he available? <laughs> He's around. Met him a couple times. He's a cool guy. The cool cantor. The, the cool rock, cantor. The rock and roll rabbi. <laughs> I'm into him. Yep. Um, all right. So that see, I now I feel like I'm in 1987. Yeah, I'm ready now. That was good. That really set set the tone. And I'm excited to listen to this album because I again we were young when this album was huge, and but you grew up around it. It was on the radio and on MTV all the time. And to me, an excess always struck me as a singles band, one of the great singles pop rock acts of the era. But I would imagine. Like some of our Australian listeners, that they view them, the band is kind of a band that's overlooked. That they're an artist, they're an album band. A whole album of greatness, not just singles. Yeah. So let's listen. Let's do it. Let's start with Guns in the Sky, which kicks off Kick by NXS. Here we go. Someone out there Ain't gonna like it Better cut 
Yeah, it's funny that you should say like singles band or we were young, like we weren't music fans yet. And In Excess is one of those bands that were just what was on the radio when we were kids. So I never even thought of them as a actual band because it was just music at the time. It mm-hmm. wasn't until I didn't even pay attention to In Excess until I was 25 years old. 24 years old. And what do you define as pay attention? Like really like dig into the songs that weren't singles and kind of acknowledge them as a real band of importance from the 80s. Yeah. My sister had this album, so it was always in our house growing up. And um, but I don't think I ever like sat down and listened to it. I, I, I guess I saw it more as that's my sister's music. Um, interesting note here in our dossier, uh, Michael Hutchins, the singer grunting at the start of the song sounds like Boyd Tinsley in full jerk mode. Let's listen to that again. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Boyd, shout out to Boyd Tinsley, who follows us on Twitter. Yep. Uh, and I think this is also a note for anybody else who wants us to cover one of their favorite band's albums on the podcast. Put together a 26-page dossier. We'll do it. Maybe. Anything. <laughs> uh, all right. Guns in the Sky. Okay. What do yep. you want me to say? I don't. It, it's kind of a punchy, fun way to kick the album off. I don't imagine that's... Um, anybody's favorite in excess song but i could be wrong unless you're big into grunting i did kind of like the grunting the grunt the was great i gotta be honest with you. it's a great way to start an album <laughs> i wonder what the rock and roll rabbi would have said about this like <laughs> this is how we want to start the album this is this is what we want people to think when they pop the tape in all right I would be I would be down to get rid of uh, Corky Romano and just start every podcast with that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Catan, but uh, I don't know. It's pretty good. Chris cannot lose this gig, and I know he's not getting paid for it, but he needs us. It is the number one thing on his IMDb Hi. right now. You guys want some cookies? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but the, every time I hear it, I'm more and more amazed that's how the album starts. I know. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, track two gets us to more familiar terrain, and it's uh, one of the a real murderer's row of singles. Uh, starts rolling out on Kick by NXS, starting in track two with the theme song of SeaWorld, New Sensation. Wait, what? <laughs> I love this song. Love this. In fact, I remember one of our trips with our buddies uh, in high school when we would drive eight hours to go to a beach and stay in a shitty motel. Yep. And we'd make these uh, mixtapes where we'd take turns trading off and building on a mixtape. New Sensation was on our Ocean City 99 mix. Was it really? Yes. Wow. Good memory. New Sensation. New Sensation. 
yeah, we've talked about how in like 2004, 2005, how bands like Arcade Fire got people listening to Bruce Springsteen again, and the Killers had everybody talking about New Order again. Like that was sort of the thing I think because of the way uh, technology was at the time, it was easy to just kind of go online and find all this old stuff. I remember for some reason that got me into NXS was like that new wave of music in 0405. And mm. I was in Canada visiting my girlfriend at the time. And I went to a record store there. And because our wonderful American dollar was so much stronger, I was able to buy two NXS CDs for like $11 American, which was a great victory for our country. And uh, Kick, Kick was one of them. And I got back to New York and I started listening to this and kind of listening to these songs again as an adult and not just as like the music of our you know, childhood struck me for the first time how good it was. So you're saying when you were 25 and you bought this and then this is the first thing you heard. Yep. Were you nervous at all? Nope. I was like, this is great. I'm in. (laughs) That reminds me of a man who's going to masturbate in the future. Potentially as part of the Dave Matthews band. To the ultimate climax. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to like about the song. It reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100 charts in the U.S. It was a, a number one hit in Canada, and it reached number nine in Australia. How is it number nine in their home country? They were very what picky. What is up with that? There were probably eight great Kylie Minogue songs at the time, Dan. Probably. Locomotion, Locomotion Part 2, Locomotion The Return. Like There were a lot of locomotions. An early demo version of la-da-da, la-dee-dee-dee-da. Yeah, it all makes sense. Uh, And my memory, Bob, did not uh, betray me on that quick little fun fact I had for you, Bob, about New Sensation from 1998, Bob. A commercial from 1998 by a company that has since... I would say become notorious, SeaWorld. Oh, fuck SeaWorld. So much bigger than last time. Is that that Boy Tinsley? Do it all in a day? No way! This is SeaWorld? It's a great song to uh, torture orcas to. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, it has that level. It, it it just it's oh the great songs work on a lot of levels. Uh-huh. And orca torture is one of the top ones <laughs> I've always found. All right, we keep rolling with another big smash uh, radio hit. Man, these guys. This album. This is like a greatest hits album. They it really was. They uh, they ran the world. Love these little sounds in the beginning. Ah, ah, ah. I mean, he's feeling himself, yeah. Hutchins, in a big spot. Makes you wanna have the other half die. Uh, 
Devil Inside. Fuck, this is even better than the last song. Yeah, this is a this really is so good. A really good song. And there is the uh, the next track, which was also yeah. connected to the music video, I believe, uh, which was also cool. And I didn't know the Bob Dylan backstory. Um, mm-hmm. What was the Bob Dylan subterranean? Homesick Blues. Which NXS played off for the next song. We'll get to that. But it was just Hutchins at his peak right here. Every single one of us, the devil inside, devil inside, devil inside. Every single one of us, the devil inside. That's kind of the sad thing with him, and we don't want to dwell too bad, on, too much on the sad aspects of Hutchins and the fact that he was dead by thirty-seven. But he was almost like a like a superstar athlete, like a star quarterback or running back whose prime ended up way shorter than you thought it would be. Right. And he seemed like he was all set up to be, you know, a Hall of Famer. And then he just burned out, which is, a, I think, is a, you know, a safe way to describe NXS, at least as a global entity. Uh, but it doesn't take away how great he was when the, when the star was shining. Well, I'll say one thing and then I'll make a comparison. That mystified doc that you and I both watched highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in learning more about michael hutchins and in excess but it was a devastating documentary getting into his the issues that came from one incident in his life that kind of just turned everything around he was on a bicycle and he was in the middle of the street and he got in an altercation with a cab driver the cab driver stepped out of the cab, punched him in the face. He went down, hit his head on the curb, and suffered permanent brain damage from that. And that was not something anybody knew at the time. Right. And he his, lost his sense of smell. He lost his sense of, of taste. Smell. His behavior was different from that point out. He was a different man from then. So it's impossible to kind of separate the second half of Inexcess's career. Career from the first when you know that that was something that happened. So comparing him to a superstar athlete, Dan, I'm going to hit you where it matters. It's kind of like a Don Mattingly comparison. Mm. He was a Hall of Famer who got injured way too young and was never able to keep it all together because of what happened. Okay. I I will counter that the time of that injury, I think it was 92, 93, something like that, 94. It was not 94. It was early 90s. Yeah. It seemed like it they had in, already, we'd seen the best of NXS already. It was and after X. It was after the follow-up album. It seems like a, a neat line of demarcation. Uh, maybe overly neat, but maybe you're right. Maybe they had a bunch of big albums left in, in the tank, but that kind of changed him creatively and on a personal level. I don't know. We'll never know. Yeah, I was very excited before watching that doc to do this episode and just do like 80 minutes of autoerotic asphyxiation jokes. Like, <laughs> I was so excited about that. But goddamn, that, that doc kind of ruined me. Yeah, that kind of took all the fun out of the autoerotic asphyxiation gag game. Yeah. Which they kind of skipped over in the doc. They didn't want to talk about it. Either because they 
They well, it didn't happen, and they don't think it justified that place, or they just oh, didn't feel I, comfortable. I think that if you watch that documentary, there's no way that that's what it was. I think that it's actually interesting that that became even a possibility when you actually look at like we're we're in a different world now where there's like CSI and uh, everybody everybody's an expert when it comes to true crime. If you just look at like what was happening leading up to his suicide, there's no way that he was like, oh, my life is awful. My my ex-wife is taking the kids away. Everything's awful. I'm going to masturbate and hang myself right now. Like he clearly killed himself. Yeah, probably. Are we getting too serious? Maybe. I think so. Didn't Mediate come after? Oh, it comes after Need You Tonight. Yeah. Okay. Listen, Bob, you, you're obviously emotional about this. Well, I just think it's interesting. I think it speaks a lot to who we are. Like the fact that this was like a sexy lead singer who had like sexy songs and then he killed himself. The world was like, ah, he must have been masturbating. <laughs> like we couldn't just deal with the fact that like he killed himself. Right. Well, it was I, I guess it was the, the tabloids that really kind of pushed that narrative. And everybody was just like, this is pre-internet, basically. So yeah. it was just like, oh, is that what happened? OK. Oh, OK. Well, that's weird. <laughs> and you just kind of accepted it. Yeah, on that's face all value. it was at the time. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on. We're continuing to go through the front of this album. Let's um, recap what we've heard so far. Devil Inside, big hit. New Sensation, big hit. You know, unless you're in the Orca community. Then that song sends shivers down your spine. Oh, Orcas hear that and they just they lock the door behind them and they just wrap themselves in a blanket and just cry. And then, of course, we also heard... Ooh! 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 <laughs> Uh, i don't know how that's not going to be the throwback podcast playlist entry uh up next is i would say the most famous in excess song maybe Think Manny and Kleine are enjoying this so far? Or? Oh yeah, no, this is. I mean, a- you got pretty heavy with that suicide talk. Or- but I'm on I'm on the side of uh, the truth, and on the side of Michael and his uh, fans. So yeah. And Tiger Lily. Yes. Is that the name? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> You would imagine. I mean, here's the thing with Hutchins too. So, you know, great looking guy, and uh, it all came together again, like a a top prospect. Because this wasn't the first NXS album; they had kind of been working toward this. This was their big international breakthrough. So he was a guy that was coming through the minor leagues, and it's like, wow, if this guy could put it all together. He could be an absolute superstar. And then this album, you know, he got the the right haircut. He found the right leather jacket. And when you watch the videos, he had figured out the rock star moves. Mm -hmm. 
and the yeah, he was very like Jim Morrison. Very Jim, you know the the playbook he was studying, and then he did the seductive singing, and it was like he just kind of knew exactly the lanes that he should be in, and for this album at least, everything clicked, everything kicked. Nice. Which, by the way, we should give some love to the rest of the band, too. Tim Ferriss? So even though, let's pretend that the Rockstar NXS reality show never happened. No, I'm not acknowledging that at all. Although I remember watching it when you it came were, out. Yeah, I do remember you. I watched it, yeah, and I, I watched it that. in horror as they chose as the new lead singer an Elvis impersonator from Canada. Oh, my God. And it didn't last very long, that union. Video won five MTV Video Music Awards, Bob, including Video of the Year 1988. And we'll get into award shows a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. In a bit. Uh, here's Mediate. It goes right into Mediate. And this was in the video for Need You Tonight and the aforementioned uh, Bob Dylan tribute slash aping. It makes sense it goes right into it because the drummer hasn't stopped doing the same thing. Mm. It's perfect. I like this a lot. Well, as a U2 fan, it makes sense that you would like this since U2 ripped it off to do uh, Numb. Wow. Am I wrong? Come on. As usual, you two, you are wrong, but I, I see I see what you're saying. Numb with Edge on the vocal is, is a similar type vibe to it. Uh, this is a weird song fact from our friends. Arguably the band's signature song that they're most known for. That are they weird. referring to Mediate or Need You Tonight? I guess Need You Tonight. Probably Need You Tonight. Yeah, that makes sense. This is the first episode, by the way, to uh, everybody out there. First episode that we're not on Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm Dan, uncomfortable. Dan is only using the dossier for this, so it's a big deal. According to the dossier, Mediate was a poem that Andrew Ferris wrote. Okay. Yeah, so it's the brothers, like Tim and yes. Andrew, right? Yeah. And then I didn't know this from the dossier also. Tim Ferriss, an excess guitarist, had a lawsuit. He lost his finger in a boat accident, ending his career. What the fuck? Horrible. What is going on with this band? Cursed. I mean, the biggest tragedy, of course, with the band is the Elvis impersonator is the lead singer. But Number one. Put it on the there's board. There's this other stuff, too. Put it on the NXS board. <laughs> the Elvis impersonator <laughs> right on top. That's crazy. He, he lost his finger in a boating accident. This is a great lead from 
news.com.au. The lead guitarist of NXS stared down in horror at the bloody stump of his left ring finger after it was hacked off by a boat's anchoring equipment in 2015 and screamed, It's taken my finger off! Is that how Australians talk? No. That was close. Crikey! It's taken my finger off, mate! There you go. That was it. <laughs> you gotta add made in there. <laughs> then, then it all makes sense. Oh, that's sad, though. That's horrible. I yeah. feel like you need your left ring finger to play guitar. Well, as well, a, we know as, as a future guitar player of the dad uh, dad bods, uh, yeah, no, it's an important finger. Note the word future. Did we mention on this podcast, Bob, that uh, one of our great listeners? Uh, I don't know if it was offered to us or it was just pointed pointing us in the direction of a Hammond B three organ that we could have be not added talked to the about this. This was a big deal. Uh, listener reached out on Twitter. Uh, DM'd us. DMs are open, by the way. What's up? Um, that they have a Hammond B3 in Minnesota. All we have to do is come pick it up. <laughs> so if there's ever going to be a throwback podcast movie, it would be us going to Minnesota to get a Hammond B3 organ. Or a documentary. <laughs> Let's see. Did they say what part of Minnesota? Nope. The state of Minnesota. All right. Let me type in. right. Also, now. they're not entirely sure it's a B3, but it is a Hammond. It's they- got to be a B3. <laughs> well that would be the that would be the end of the movie we get there it's not it's like a b4 and we have to drive back that feels like something that would be in saint paul minnesota that makes sense which is more kind of like the hipster area of the minneapolis area uh, according to google maps it is 1929 miles away a 28 hour car drive we could do it we would have to do it in a u-haul though oh for the fucking oregon Got to bring that fucking organ back. We're not doing Wait, it. why can't we pay? We'll work on this. Let's take this offline. <laughs> because if you, if Bob purportedly is starting a, a band called the Dad Bods where he will be p- playing lead, lead guitar. guitar and singing. Yeah. Oh my God. This is such a bad idea. And I, I was totally against it because once upon a time, um, when Bob was a fledgling stand-up comic, I went to his shows as a meeting, a show of support, mm-hmm. and I feel like I did my job. Like I should not be asked to go to your music gigs now. I feel like I you checked the be. box. No, you will as a be. Friend. Different, different thing entirely. You also saw flock of dudes in the theater about fourteen times. I did that too, so, so I feel like I'm kind of set. You've I'm, done a lot, I'm a but no, now. no, this is the new venture. You have family. to new venture. You got to come out. But then when we talked about how cool the Hammond B3 organ is, anytime you hear it on a song, I would join the band if I was behind the organ. Not playing it. Not playing it, of course. Sitting in front of the organ. Right. All right. Next up is The Loved One. Let's listen to that. Talking lies, wanting lies. 
love that. Love that. Oh, that's great. I just love what they do. What a groove they were in. Huh? Every song. I don't know if this is a single. I don't believe it was. But I really, uh, I really like it. Me too. And fuck, it's like, you know, what we were saying before about that line of demarcation about maybe it was because of what had happened, maybe it wasn't, but it's sad that it just kind of ended in the early 90s when it just feels like he was such a talent that could have gone on longer. Like what I'm getting at is how does Bono keep putting out shit and he wasn't able to? Is this where this is all coming from? I do think that if things were different, in excess could have been bigger than you two. Well, if Bono hadn't killed him, you, well, now Bono killed Hutchins. I'm just saying it's not impossible. They're very good friends. No, that's a, that's a great cover. Um, yeah, I think one of your weaknesses as um, a music lover is your failure to recognize how hard it is to remain relevant for as long as you two did. And the idea that you could put out an album in 1980 that people love and do do the same thing 20 years later. Very difficult to do, and very few bands have done it. Whether you like the music or not, right. um, Bono and U2 did that uh, for 20 years. And that's why like bands like NXS, and I mean no disrespect to the you know, NXS uh, diehards out there, like th- this is very normal. Like... This band was maybe bigger than usual, bigger than other bands at their height. But most bands are kind of that break big, hang around for like two album cycles, maybe a third. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like legacy acts that have a fan base that they play to in either amphitheaters or um, if they're lucky, they're still an arena act. But most likely they're sharing a bill. Like if, NX, if Michael Hutchins was still alive today... And even Bob, even throw out the head injury thing, which was very sad. And I understand the angle that maybe that ended him as a um, creative person in a lot of ways. But couldn't you see them doing a double bill with Whitesnake at the PNC Arts Center in Holmdale, New Jersey? There is that version, but I think he was a unique talent, especially having. That's not what Noel Gallagher said. Well, let's get in. Is it time to get into that yet? Yes. Let's check out the Brit. Awards. One thing I think is very interesting with Hutchins, too, and I think some of it went back to basic jealousy that he was um, this sexy, charismatic rock star. And I think for some people, and I would think the Gallagher brothers would probably fall in this category, there's an inherent um, maybe cheesiness to the type of act that Hutchins and NXS were, the the right. sound of the music and the way he moved on stage, you could see that as maybe phony right. and posturing. Uh, so when NXS started to come down and Michael Hutchins, the super good-looking guy who had the world in the palm of his hand, all of a sudden wasn't on top, maybe people had a lot of fun or a little bit fun of fun chopping him down on top of it. Right. Which is, I think, exactly what happens at the Brit Awards Oasis wins a Brit Award for Wonderwall, and Michael Hutchins comes out on the stage um, 
to hand out the award, and then uh, Noel gets on the mic and absolutely buries Hutchins. Hasbins shouldn't present fucking awards to Gunnabees. Hasbins shouldn't what present awards to Gunnabees. And fucking, when you watch that clip on YouTube, Michael Hutchins does not see that coming. No! At all. He says Oasis. They come up there. He hands them the he award. He pumps his fist when he he's announces excited. their name. Like he's happy to be there, clearly. He, yeah. He's like passing passing the torch, and Noel takes it and fucking buries him. Noel basically does the thing where he uses that torch and then like pours gasoline on Michael Hutchinson's career and then puts the torch against his flesh. And watching that clip in that moment, you could see that that is news to Michael Hutchins. Like, I think that that is the first time in his entire life he realized he was a has-been. Like, it looks like the look on his face is like nobody's ever said that to him before. Right. He is just stunned. Or maybe he had, because I'm sure he had at that point, you know, they had been irrelevant on some level in excess for a few years that that was something that was in the back of his mind or something that he struggled with privately. And then to have someone as famous as Gallagher was at that point to make a spectacle of it. Oh my God. A guy like that though is so insulated with his like supermodel girlfriends and his like hanger ons. I do think that that was like this young guy just fucking sweeping his legs out from under him and just leaving him completely shocked. And we should say we are massive uh, Oasis fans. We defend pretty much everything that Noel and Liam have ever said. And even before I saw the documentary mediate, uh, it felt like a low blow. But then when you learn more about Michael Hutchins and his private demons, it kind of, you watch that with even more of like, oh, oh that was a fucking fuck dick move. You, no. Why? You almost like wonder if there was, you, as an Oasis fan, I want there to be more to the story. I want... Hutchins to have banged uh, Noel's girlfriend or something, which maybe could have happened. Could have happened. Because Hutchins was quite a swordsman uh, and was a little sloppy in that regard with uh, his love life. Uh, but it's also quite possible it's that Noel was just high on coke and completely <laughs> and took that moment yeah. to just cut down this guy that when he was a nobody was on top of the world. Yeah. And it just felt like something a bully would do, basically. Right. Not good. Not 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 the best moment for anybody on stage, but a fucking brutal YouTube clip if you haven't seen it. Take one step. Here's wildlife. Out the dog. Look around. A whole lot more. In the distance, if I've been bright, we make decisions. It's what we do, it's what we do. This to me feels like the most mid-album fillery, mid-album filler I've <laughs> ever heard. Be. It's like let's take six things that we do well and just throw them together. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Like it's just kind of like nothing lyrics and everything is kind of like yeah, yeah, this is all fine. I really do like, I like NXS. I like a bunch of their songs. Um, 
but they're, I, I would say that their music perhaps is susceptible to uh, sometimes feeling a little flimsy and c- it could be so light that it just floats away and this would be an example of that. Yeah. Um, here's the other weird thing with NXS. And again, because there is, there was a time in 1987 where U2 was the biggest thing there was with the Joshua Tree and NXS was right there with Kick. And then when the 90s came, I think this is part of what's surprising to me. When you listen to, to their sound and the songs that they had in excess, uh, that U2 was able to cross over into the next decade with Act Tongue Baby. Mm-hmm. In excess felt uniquely qualified to do that as well. Like they, right. I thought where music went in the early 90s, uh, that was kind of where In Excess already was in a way. Like mm-hmm. to me, they didn't sound as dated like 80s wise as when you hear songs like the pop landscape of the early 90s, like In Excess, and I know they put out albums in the very early 90s and, and even had some success still, but it felt like they should have been able to cruise into the 90s. But they, it seemed like as soon as the decade flipped over, that they were already starting to fight a losing battle as viewed as a has-been uh, act. Well, Disappear was a big song. And X was a pretty big album, I think, for them. Their next album. I think it went platinum, at least in America. I know, right. my, I know my wife saw them on tour. Uh, Heather right, was, you don't just... Dis- when you're that big as they were right. on kick, you don't just disappear. And disappear. Speaking of, great song. There you go. Well played. No, that was an accident. Well played. So many accidents this episode, but they were good. I think what killed them is I do think they were very 80s. Like they had, they used horns and just the kind of like jangliness isn't the word, but there's like a damn, 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 damn. Right. Like sound to their, like pretty much well, every again, song. It's a couple of musicians in a garage <laughs> just chopping it up. Yeah. As musicians, we could say they kind of sound like damn, damn. Down, down, and you guys know what we mean. <laughs> you got to do that a lot. You other music heads out there. It's like however clear years later would you every song. Like that's kind of like <laughs> sometimes the band has a sound, but I do think it was tougher for uh, in excess Everclear. It was tougher in excess, and in that documentary, there's that moment where they're talking about how Michael Hutchins is fighting to make their new album sound more grungy. Yeah, that's and that was like to me, like I turned to Heather and I was like, oh, they were done. It was over. It's over. Because like anytime you hear about like Motley Crue or like any of those bands that were holdovers from the 80s that tried to adopt a grunge sound. Right. That was the end. Well, the yeah, Motley Crue came to mind for me as well. A specific thing I remember from that great book, The Dirt by Neil Strauss. They they did try to grunge up their sound a little bit, uh, but there was when they were in the studio in the mid nineties, Motley Crue, and at that point they were already kind of deep in their decline. Uh, there's a part of the book where they talk about how Tommy Lee, the drummer was a nuisance in the recording studio. And he was just telling the producer, we want to sound like Oasis. We want that Oasis sound. And it's like, what? (laughs) Once you start chasing that, like you said, it's, it's kind of over. Uh, and unfortunately that's what, Happened with the next S. Um, coming up next. Yeah, let's go back to the 80s. Forget the 90s. Let's go back to 87. All right. Let's um, dig into... Do I want to say it? There's so many choices. So many choices for great kind of power ballad. 
I mean, for the third or fourth time in this album, it's Torch the, best, songs. the best song on the album. To me, this, I don't think it's really close. I think this is the best in excess song. I know they do different types of songs, but the one that affects me the most, my favorite video of theirs, and the one that I think kind of stood the test of time more than any other song they have is Never Tear Us Apart. Don't ask me What you know is true Don't have to tell you I love your precious heart I I was standing You were there Two worlds collided And they could never tear us apart We could live Oh, what a beautiful so song. So good. Dan, I know you love uh, saxophone solos. There's a big one coming up. Oh, what up. a killer sax solo. There's a big one coming up soon. Yeah, I fucking love this song. You can listen to this on repeat forever. Um, Never Tear Us Apart, another big hit, uh, uh, both in the U.S. and overseas. And yeah, I just think it's everything you could ever want from a song like this with a great vocal and uh, I love the string section in it and that guitar part. And then, like you said, the sax solo. The, kind of, the song comes and does its business and is out the door in three and a half minutes. I think it's just a perfect, like, rock love song. Is this the sax? Oh, it's coming. Not Here yet. it comes. Not oh, it's coming. The drums, too? Yeah. Oh! And let's face it, the 80s, they took that sack shit too far. <laughs> they did. Yeah, they did. But when it's used in the right way, it's beautiful. And the backing vocals, it's just the perfect song. Yeah. They, they, I just they, think it's, it's the perfect. best thing they ever did. Never tear us apart. Um, and like the video, it's one of my favorite videos of the 80s. Um as well and one thing that's interesting about the video bob i don't have you seen the video and it's probably been a while it's been a while i happened to be after mystify i went down a uh, youtube wormhole and i was reminded that they do something interesting in the video where they build up the intro a little bit longer as there's like a, a panning shot the video shot in prague and I think it works even better with the build-up a little longer. You want to hear this? Yeah, please. Here we go.
sort of build up. Mm-hmm. If you made that 20% synthier, it would feel like Stranger Things. Yeah, I can hear that. Is Michael Hutchins on your 80s Mount Babemore of dudes? Dude, Mount Babemore, go. Dude, I've never done this before. <laughs> uh, let's see. 80, specifically 80s dude, Mount Babemore. Grandpa Coverdale. <laughs> Old man Coverdale. <laughs> uh, give me, give me uh, Purple Rain Prince. Just mix it up a little bit. <laughs> Give me Born in the USA Bruce. Okay. Give me Hutchins. Kick. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shock the world here. Give me Thriller Michael Jackson. Wow. It's a weird mountain. That is a weird mountain to go visit. What's your mountain? <laughs> All right. Hutchins for sure. Okay. He's on Mount Babemore. Axl Rose. Oh, he's going to be such an asshole. It's a mountain. I know, but he's not going to treat you right. Don't need him to. It's a mountain made of stone. <laughs> we'll get Axel Hutch. We'll get Uptown Girl era Billy Joel. Oh, my God. No, Bob. <laughs> Your mountain just crumbled into the sea. <laughs> Billy Joel deserves, and I'm, you know I'm not a Joel fan, Bob, but Billy Joel deserves credit. For carving out the career he did with right, the face I'm a, that I'm he a, had. I'm obviously not putting Billy Joel on my mountain. Come on. <laughs> what about um, We Rick, Didn't Start the Fire era where he's like, oh, black slimming. Rick Springfield. Okay. It's, your, yours is pretty cheesy. What? It, I mean, it's about ba- it's about hot dudes. I know. Well, Axl Rose. Are we going crazy with Axl, by the way? Not bad. A little weasel. It's not bad. What, Prince? I know Prince is like your, sexy. Yours but... is also a little racist so far. Just got to say. And Prince. You can't take Prince. I already put him on mine. Fine. I don't need him. Bobby Brown. What? <laughs> yep. Bobby Brown. New edition era Bobby Brown. What about Terrence Trent Darby? <laughs> who replaced Michael Hutchins in NXS? Wow. For a brief time. All right. <clears throat> I like mine. I like my mountain. I'm going to go visit my mountain. It's a good mountain. Your mountain is really disturbing to me. <laughs> Rick Springfield? Like, how cheesy can you get? Rick well, he's, he's the Teddy Roosevelt. It's like, why is he on there? But okay. True story. I saw Rick Springfield uh, in Vegas. He was in between DUI arrests, mm-hmm. and he was the star of some type of Vegas show. And I, I remember watching it and just sensing a deep, deep sadness within him. That's not going to be evident on the mountain. I think you, we lost Rick. No. I think th- we did. There's no sadness in his eyes on Mount Babemore, 80s edition. Oh, no. Rick Springfield is uh, still alive. He's fine. I think we lost David Cassidy, who is another Vegas guy. All right. Moving forward. Focus up, team. Another hit. Uh, tr- uh, the next track. What do we got? How many tracks? Are we? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right. Track nine is another great song. Yeah. Mystify. 
All veils and misty mm. Streets are blue Almond looks That chill divine Some silken moment Goes on forever And we're leaving broken hearts Behind Love it. A little little piano in there. A little piano. Nice yeah, nice little ba- bouncy song. It's uh, it's different. It doesn't sound like some of the um, more synthesizer-driven uh, songs earlier in the album. I'm kind of into this as a change of pace a little bit. Yep. Great album. Sebastian Bach should be on one of our Mount Bavemores. I mean, come on. Your mount is just filled with shit bricks. <laughs> Axel Rose, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row? Yeah, he was hot. Oh, Bob. What do you the want? the worst taste. Well, your taste is so basic. You want no, fucking not. Bruce Springsteen on there with his blue jeans? That, that, that was a man. What? With his blue jeans and his <laughs> white t-shirt. Come on. So basic. Live a little. You want me to live a little? Prince is in the bedroom. Yeah. That's what this is ultimately, right? The guy's like five foot two. <laughs> 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 what are we doing? Let's listen to this murderer's row. I think what you could safely say is that Michael Hutchins was the Adam Duritz of the 80s. Okay, I like that. He was rom- romantically linked to Kylie Minogue, which is off Amazing. the charts. Off the charts. Yeah. In fact, one of their best... Post-kick song, Suicide Blonde, is written about Kylie Minogue. Belinda Carlisle, who, by the way, hey, kids out there, go look up Go-Go's and then look up Belinda Carlisle solo work, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Great song, by the way. And let me know what you think about Belinda. Helena Christensen, which is one of the great supermodels. In a time where there was nothing bigger than a supermodel in the the early 90s. I mean, these these are uber babes. Uber babes. And then he got into... Uh, what about uh, Natalie Imbruglia? I would imagine that they probably just their paths, missed each other. Their paths must have crossed. Yeah, but he was kind of... I Listen, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but one thing that does pop out pop up on uh, on that doc, too, is I don't know what happened to Hutchinson's looks in the 90s also. He kind of went downhill physically as well. Maybe that's the head injury again. He I was, don't know, but well, that, something happened between about 1990 or 91 and the rest of his life before his death in 97. And it just, it was almost like, all right, how about this as a theory? And again, I don't want to make light of it because it's very sad what happened uh, to his life. But he's got the song Devil Inside, okay? Mm-hmm. It's almost like Michael Hutchins signed a deal with the devil 
where it was, you will be the hottest, coolest rock star mm-hmm. uh, of the 80s. But it will only last for about 18 to 24 months, and then everything will slowly be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. And you'll die a sad man alone. That's sometimes what it feels like, what happened from the peak of his life and career 87 to his death in 97. I think that's part of what makes him kind of a fascinating, tragic figure is that everything seemed to go away from him. He lost everything. Well, I will say, at least here in America, like when he died in 97, we were still in high school. I don't remember it being a big thing. Like it wasn't, I mean, it was obviously newsworthy and it was talked about, but it like I remember where I was when Phil Hartman died and when Chris Farley died. Right. And when Princess Di died, obviously. Like I don't remember the Michael Hutchins dying story being a big news thing at that point because his career was kind of over here. Yeah. And if you like, I remember uh, by the end of his career, maybe a, a video would pop up on VH1. Mm-hmm. And it really did. There was this feeling like, what what happened to these guys? Right. Where were what I mean and Noel Gallagher again in his lowest moment. And I don't know if Noel ever owned up to that. And I feel like he should. Uh, right now, especially the people are kind of rediscovering Hutchins and NXS and the legacy of that band. That maybe Noel shows a little bit of contrition. Which he's never done about anything ever. And get on social media and be like, Hey, I did check out the doc and uh I don't um I don't really remember saying that. I was on a lot of drugs at the time, which I'm sure he was. Uh-huh. Uh, but that was a supremely dick move, and I wish it never happened. Are you suggesting we cancel Noel? <sighs> no. I Well, I mean, Noel's kind of canceled already anyway, right? I don't know. We can, we can cancel him, bro. Cancel him pending an apology. The irony also of that, and again, we are huge Oasis fans. We've done three Oasis You're albums on this You're literally album. wearing an Oasis shirt right, <laughs> right now. Right now, I'm wearing one. Maybe yeah. this is not the night to be wearing it uh, <laughs> upon further reflection. Feels like a shot. Feels like a shot. But when they they accepted that Brit Award for Best Music Video, uh, that was kind of the right around the line of demarcation where Oasis went from uh, Gonna Bees to has Yeah. So maybe it all kind of... Karma took care of everything. Here's um, where I'd leave off. We're at, we're at kick. Kick. Here's kick. Actually, I kind of miss it, so I just want to. It's kind of like he's it. pooping or something. Love it. But hot pooping. <laughs> like like the way a hot guy poops sexy pooping <laughs> like on my Mount Rushmore if you go into the bathrooms oh. <laughs> underneath the mountain they're just playing that on loop like everyone's just like Bruce Prince Coverdale <laughs> MJ <laughs> that is by far the stupidest thing that I've ever said on the show and yep. that's we did saying it. something we did it alright here we go kick Notice how Coverdale snuck back in there.
sounds like a. This is familiar to me. I think it was in a movie. Kind of like a bad '80s song that was popular. It's a little like Footloosey almost. A little bit. Was this on the Just One of the Guys soundtrack? This sounds like a song from Just One of the Guys. Like Terry is trying on different boy clothes. No, this would be at the prom at the very end before Terry takes her top off to show that she's actually a woman. This was one of the songs that Rick Morehouse was dancing to. Yeah, and I'm Cindy Lauper. <laughs> okay, see, this is what I mean. Yeah, a lot of sax. When a saxophone is used, employed properly, see Clarence Clemens and the E Street Band, it could be a wonderful thing. Then this can happen too. Right. Well, well it's a great a it's a great way to let everybody know it's an 80s song. Just throw in a unnecessary sax. Right. Like you had to cut that shit out. If you wanted to cross over to the 90s, you had to cut that sax shit out. Kill the sax guy. But they could have done that. Is what I really think if they had their shit together a little bit more, if fate had been a little bit kinder, if there was no deal with the devil, mm-hmm. they were they could have had like you too a, a second wave to their career in the 90s and it's just kind of crazy to me going, that it didn't happen. Going back to his looks, late in that doc that you see him in like 96, 97, and he still has the long hair that he's now dying black. And straightening it. And straightening it. And he's still kind of like wearing the open shirts and trying to like move, doing the same sexy moves he was doing at 23, but now he's 37. I think that was the problem. Right. Like he didn't age gracefully. Like not everybody could be Bono and be ugly forever. <laughs> And then you don't have anything to worry about, anything to strive for. Like he was trying to be 23. Says the Billy Joel fan. He was trying to be 23-year-old Michael Hutchins, and you can't do that at 37. I feel like now you could. I feel like people, whether it's athletes or celebrities, age better now, and 37 is still pretty young, and you still look like you're 27. But for whatever reason, I think you know all his personal demons and drug mm-hmm. use probably caught right. up to him. Right. It, he didn't have the same type of glow to him. Right. Uh, all right, here is Calling All Nations. By this point in the dossier, Klein and Mancy have given up. <laughs> they ran out of steam. They ran out of steam. They were like, we're going to keep going. And by page 24, they were like, we're exhausted. So, and speaking of Bono, who, by the way, pretty good looking, I personally think. Not Hutchins by any stretch. But I think he kept it together, Bono. Yeah, he looks like Robin Williams playing Popeye, but shorter. <laughs> it's perfect. I tend to disagree, but, uh, you know, that's your call. Um, stuck in a moment you can't get out of off the excellent All That You Can't Leave Behind was written for Michael Hutchins. And I think Kleine and Maney. Nancy. Nancy. Had a take there, didn't they? Yes, they mentioned that, of course, Bono wrote that song. It was uh, a conversation. The theme was a conversation he was having with Michael Hutchins, kind of talking, trying to talk him out of suicide, I believe. And he did this before putting out an album to cash in on 9-11. So it's in the dossier. It's got to be true. It's all from the same album. What a, what a loaded piece of work by you two. 
All right, let's listen. You know, there's there's a part of me that feels like I belong in Australia, and I feel like I would be listening to this song in my little Australian house. I could see that as I'm getting everything ready for the day. Like that would be like a fun life. I could see you, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, uh, being one of those guys that's like, and I just moved to Australia and I started over, and then you decide. Oh, I'm going to take up surfing, and then almost immediately you're eaten by a shark. <laughs> I can see that happening. Like, you don't do the proper research, no. and Australia's big on sharks. Right. And immediately you're just devoured. Well, and the good thing is when they recover me, they were like, well, it's okay, because he, he immediately contracted skin cancer, because he wasn't ready for the intense UV rays down here. And it just all happens at once. Oh, that's that's very sad. There was a point a few years ago, I remember telling you about this and you couldn't believe it, that it was a very serious thing. But I was actually considering, looking into, a move to Australia. There was a real... I don't remember this because I took it... The level of seriousness was so off the charts, non-existent, that it just went in my ear and out the other. I was doing a little research. It was at one of the, as you know, many lows in my career. Many... Many dry spells, and it was in one of those uh, one of those moments where there was like nothing on the horizon. I didn't know what was coming next, and I know one person in Australia, and he happens to be famous and successful. So I was like, "Cool, I will move to Australia. I will hit up the one guy I know." Is it is it the NXS guitarist with nine fingers? <laughs> it's old nine finger Timmy. Um, no, it is not. It is not him. It's not. It's not Nine Finger Ferris. <laughs> nine Finger Ferris. Uh, horrible. Uh, I know like one guy, and I was like, all right, I can, you know, maybe get a job with him or find a job at a production company out there. And hey, our president's terrible. America's going in the wrong direction. Let's do it. So I got the wife on board, and there was like, there wait, was like, what? There was like a month where I was like looking into what it would be like to move to Australia. What year was this? Maybe three years ago, two, three years ago. Wait, your wife signed off on moving to Australia? She was intrigued about the idea of doing it for like a year. Wow. Yeah, it became a real thing. So what What stopped? You just got a job? I got a job. <laughs> that was the end of that. Makes sense. Here's yeah. Tiny Daggers. Great song. I love this. This would be a good, like, you have a friend, from that friend you have from Australia comes to L.A. and you're having a backyard barbecue. You put this NXS song on the mix. Yeah. And then when it comes on, you like, in the side of your eyes, you just look over at him and just hope that he, like, takes note of it. Yeah. And you just wanted to take note of it so just, bad. Like, please acknowledge this. Acknowledge because he's this. Ha- he has a good career and he's, like, kind of good looking and you just... 
You want to be with him. You want to move across the world to live with him under the guise <laughs> well, no, no. of the family. I was going to live with him. I was going to ask him to hire me. But, you know, if he was into it, then maybe. I don't know. Just put him on your Mount Rushmore. <laughs> he's, on my Mount, he's on my Australian Mount Babemore. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good... Um, cool song. Great final song. Yeah. Like, way, to go out, way to go out with a bang. It's a great album. It's got tons and tons and tons of hooks, choruses, and Hutchins like at the center of it. If you're looking for just like a random 80s album to add to your collection, I don't think you could do much better than this. If you don't have anything by NXS, yeah. Like, why not own this? I feel like a lot of people out here would You don't even have to pay for it anymore. It's part of your streaming package. I feel like people don't even consider NXS anymore, but like, this is an incredible album. Well, we just gave you a chance to listen to the whole thing. If you're not sold, I mean, what the fuck do you want from us? What do you want from us? We, we did what we could. Let's do the thing where we pick one more song because we're probably never going to talk about NXS again. Yeah, I don't see us doing the elegantly wasted album. So <laughs> I'll go first. Can I pick a song? Uh, yeah, go ahead. You ready to pull it up? I am ready. Okay. I want to play Don't Change by NXS. Oh, that's a great one. That's it's, pre-kick, too. It's pre-kick, and it is a song. It's doesn't sound like anything on this album, but it still sounds like NXS. And it has such like a great driving 80s sound to it that this is one where wherever I'm making a mix, this goes on it. I'm totally with you. I think this is right up at the near the top of the list for their best songs. And this was used in the highly underrated movie Adventureland, which has an incredible soundtrack. It's a lot of replacements, and they use this song perfectly. And I fucking love this song, so I'm glad that we're playing it. This is not like anything we've listened to tonight. No. This this shows that yeah they had they weren't just a uh, one trick pony. Yeah. Because you heard those songs, those kind of great uh, dance oriented pop rock songs, and then you heard what they could do with a ballad with Never Tear Us Apart. You hear what they could do here with uh, this type of song. I mean, they were good, man. They were good. I, I struggled to pick one song, um, but I'll go with one 
from later uh, post kick in, in the 90s. And I think they had some really nice songs that didn't get uh, enough love here in the U.S. at least. Uh, and I'll go with uh, Beautiful Girl. Oh, yes. Incredible. Such a great song. And there are easily another dozen songs we could just play and you'd be like, oh, I remember that song. Yeah. They were so good. Not Enough Times, another one that I love. Yes. Uh, all right. Time uh, to pick so, a song for the uh, Throwback Podcast playlist. Yeah. Before we do that, of course, we have to thank everybody who voted in this poll and keeps this podcast alive from patreon.com slash throwback pod. Right. How about those guys, Dan? They're the best. The best. I love them all. Of course, Kleine and Mancy. I mean, Kleine and Mancy, it was a total tour de force tonight. You know, every once in a while, Dan, we'll have the discussion about like, oh, when are we when are we done with this? Like, when are we going to know it's time? Yeah, when is that going to happen? I, I figured out what? it's when Kleine and Mancy lose interest. <laughs> like, when they're done, I think we just stop. <laughs> that feels like a natural point. You guys just connect with us. Uh, just send an email. Actually, just... Subject line, we're out. Yeah. Send. And then I think and it's we'll like, know. then we'll know like it's time for us to stop. We'll put in our two week notice <laughs> at that time. Um, but thank you to Kleine Mancy, Bruno, the sponsor and Courtney and Wyatt, our top tier sponsors over on Patreon and everybody best. who kicks in $2 a month, $6 a month to vote in this poll, $12 a month to get the little mini pods that we're doing uh, and so on and so forth. You guys are the best. Thank you for doing this. Yes, thank you so much uh, for keeping us afloat. All right, Bob, let's pick it. Kick by NXS, one of the great albums of the 80s. And now we have to choose one song to add to the throwback podcast playlist. What's it going to be? What do you nominate, Bob? Can I, I'll give you three. Okay. Um, can't do the song about dead orcas. I'm sorry. I think out of respect for the orcas, we need to let New Sensation uh, keep it where it is in 1998 in a SeaWorld commercial. <laughs> I think we Can can't we? do Guns in the Sky just because it would it, all the other songs in the playlist would feel 
sexually inadequate. Can we just clip off that intro and make that the playlist <laughs> song? I wish we could isolate the vocal. If anyone knows how to do shit like that, <laughs> uh, can you isolate uh, Michael Hutchins taking a big steaming dump and then uh, just send that to us? And nothing will ever make Chris Kattan go away at the top of our show. But maybe just for one episode, Hutchins. Well, one thing, Kat, it's Chris Kattan realizing that we're doing it and demanding, <laughs> sending a cease and desist. And then it's done. What do you mean? This is his like biggest job. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are your choices? I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to nominate. I don't want to nominate. I think we should do "Never Tear Us Apart." Oh. Man after my own heart. Yeah. Bob Kestrel. I will never Beautiful. tire of this. We don't have enough saxophone on the Throwback Podcast playlist. It just makes sense. Needs more sax. That was the thing that came to my mind when I was listening to our. Uh, playlist the other day. I was in Texas. I was in the pool. I was enjoying myself. And I and the one thing that kept on crossing my mind: where the fuck is the sax? Yeah. Well, now we got some sax. Now I got some sax. We're ready. Some sax appeal on the Throwback Podcast playlist. Nice. Check it out uh, wherever you stream, but really Apple Music. Is that still happening? It's a pretty big deal. I think we're on Spotify. We'll tweet um, it out at Throwback Pod on Twitter. Also, let's be fair. Uh, you are in no position to judge Bono's looks. You couldn't even maintain a mustache for six N- weeks. Neither could Bono. Bono could do a mustache. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. He could commit to it, too. Like a little pedophile leprechaun. <laughs> See, now you're just being racist. What? He's a little. Oh, because he's Irish. He's a little pedophile leprechaun. Didn't even know he was Irish. It's just because he's a little. <laughs> That's all. All right. That's it. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Bob's mustache will probably land him in prison by then, but uh, maybe he comes back better than ever. So just stay tuned on this one. Let's all hope so. And Michael Hutchins, rest in peace, good friend. We love you. <laughs> yep. I was standing. You were there. Thank mm-hmm. you.